If you're curious to engage with a lot of the topics we explore on the podcast in more creative and embodied ways, we welcome you to join us in Alchemize, our 10-week audio-based program of daily imagination practices intended to disrupt status quo ways of thinking, sensing, relating, and being. To be honest, without any grant support for our show right now, and we did just get turned down by several mainstream environmentalism philanthropies, this program and our Patreon are our primary means of supporting our labor for these free podcasts right now. We really want to remain untethered to corporate interests, and every small contribution to our Patreon or enrollment in our program Alchemize helps to ensure that we can continue producing these vital conversations that feature voices and perspectives often sidelined from mainstream media. So if you value our work and want to dive deeper with us, join us in Alchemize today at greendreamer.com slash alchemize and join our Patreon starting at just $3 at patreon.com slash greendreamer. Thank you so, so much for however you were able to support our work during these critical times. We are so deeply grateful. And he uh, warned me and he said, uh, I don't know, you know, you're going to get criticized. You're just, uh, you know, <laughs> people are going to attack you if you expose yourself to mainstream. But I really felt that it was important for me to share this. And I'm glad I did because uh, we were able to launch a global movement in the end. Have you heard of the zero waste lifestyle? I'm guessing yes. But in case you haven't, it's all about really, really minimizing the amount of trash that you personally add to the landfill. And today, you're going to be hearing from the woman who started it all, Bea Johnson, who, with her family, has been living a zero-waste lifestyle or, as close to it as possible, producing just one tiny jar of trash annually since 2008. What inspired this lifestyle for her, and what does it take to launch a global movement in sustainability? Let's dive in. Hey, it's Kamea Shane, and this is Green Dreamer, a podcast for creatives, visionaries, and entrepreneurs dreaming of a sustainable future. Thank you for bringing your light. If you haven't already, make sure to hit subscribe, and together, let's learn what it takes to thrive in every sense of the word. If we look at natural ecosystems, we see that waste from any living organism is actually fuel for another in this circle of life. In that sense, waste in nature isn't a bad thing because it's all about balance. But for us humans, we have three primary waste problems. The first is that our rates of consumption and disposal are way too high and we're buying and tossing things out more quickly than our trash can biodegrade altogether or be treated in some way, which is leading to our landfills piling up every second of every day. Our second issue is that a lot of the chemicals and synthetic materials that we make and then toss into our landfills and waterways, they're toxic to us and to wildlife. And then the third issue is that we've intelligently created things like plastic that natural ecosystems can't readily break down. So nearly every piece of plastic ever made still exists. Isn't that crazy? I still have a hard time visualizing that. But you know, we didn't always used to be this wasteful in a bad way. And knowing that Bea's been talking trash for such a long time, I totally jumped the gun when we started talking and asked her what she thought has led us to this worldwide issue that we have today. Green Dreamer, here's Bea Johnson. 
Well, you know, this uh, consumer society was created by manufacturers who hired powerful marketers to create in us fictitious needs. They have promised time and money savings uh, in our busy schedule. But as soon as you adopt a zero waste lifestyle, you realize very quickly that we've been duped. <laughs> you can see past that, all this marketing and advertisement. Exactly. And you can even learn not to see it. With the zero waste lifestyle, you acquire a selective vision. You no longer see packaging or advertisement. You only see what you need. And when I walk into a store, for example, I no longer see what is packaged, but I see what is sold without packaging. Yeah, well, so it's been a long journey for you. You started 10 years ago or more than 10 years ago. What inspired you to even start reducing waste before 2008? Well, uh, what happened was that we were living in a house uh, way out of San Francisco in the suburbs. We had to get into a car to go just about anywhere, to go to the grocery store, uh, schools, restaurants. And we missed the life that uh, we had known in the large cities that we had lived in. We had lived in London, Amsterdam, and Paris, where we were used to walking and biking everywhere. So um, after a while, we decided to relocate to a uh, downtown so we could have amenities within walking or biking distance. But before finding the right house in that downtown, we rented an apartment for one year, and we only moved in with the necessities. We put the rest in storage. And what we found during that year is that when you live with less, then all of a sudden you have more time in your hands to do what's important to you. More time for friends, family, uh, picnics and hikes. So when we did find the right house, we got everything out of storage and we found that 80% of the belongings that we had put in there, we hadn't even missed for a whole year. So we let go of them. And it's thanks to that simplicity that we also found time to educate ourselves on environmental issues. We read books and watched documentaries. And uh, what we found made my husband and I uh, really sad thinking about the future that we were creating for our children, the, the future that was ahead. And that's when we found the motivation to change our ways. Uh, we uh, first watched our energy consumption, then our water consumption, and then I turned towards our trash. And in trying to find solutions, um, I uh, one day found the term zero waste, which back then was only used to describe waste management practices at a city level, or uh, it was also used in the manufacturing world, but it was not a term used to describe something you do at home. But when I saw that term, the light bulb went off in my head. It gave us a goal, basically. So after trial and error, your family started living a zero-waste lifestyle in 2008. What motivated you to share this lifestyle with other people? Well, what motivated me most is the, it was knowing that they, there was no such information or guide anywhere for people that were interested in reducing their trash at home. And one day I told my husband, you know, I, I, think, I think I should start a blog. I think it's important to share uh, all the solutions that we've discovered. And he uh, warned me and he said, I don't know, you know, you're going to get criticized. You're just, uh, you know, <laughs> people are going to attack you if you expose yourself to mainstream but I really felt that it was important for me to share this. And, and I'm glad I did because we were able to launch a global movement in the end. 
Yeah. So when you first started talking about zero waste, were you like, okay, I'm going to grow this into a global movement? Or <laughs> what were your hopes back when you first started the blog? No, not I mean, I had no idea, of course, uh, <laughs> that it would take uh, so much uh, momentum. What simply I, I wanted to provide solutions to people. I just uh, thought, you know, if uh, if people are interested in this, then they, at least the solutions will be there. But uh, eventually, also it led to the book. But the blog and the book have uh, have been great tools in uh, putting everything down and uh, laying it all out, so so that the solutions are there for those that are interested. Yeah. So essentially, you were putting out into the world what you wish you had found when you were first starting your journey in cutting down waste. Yeah, and uh, every time our story comes out in a different country, or uh, for example, when it came out in the U.S., and the first time we were in the media, it was uh, in the New York Times, but there were no pictures on uh, how we lived. So people back then were still associating an environmentally friendly way of living with uh, being a hippie, living in the boondocks. That's where, you know, we got pounded with all the criticism. And people said it's disgusting what they're doing to their children. It's uh, depriving them. And uh, I'm sure they live in the woods and I'm sure she doesn't shave. And But we kind of laughed at all this uh, with my husband. We realized, you know, in the end, People don't know what the zero-waste lifestyle is, and that's normal. I, I didn't know what it, was, uh, what it would have been or what it would have looked like myself 10 years ago. So, However, in uh, doing a, a big spread in the magazine, it was like nine-page spread on how we lived. It gave uh, visuals and showed how we lived. It showed that we're a normal family. We live a very modern way of life. It's just simple. Um, and it's uh, more importantly a life that is based on experiences instead of uh, things so you end up living more and uh, a lot of people saw our interior and they uh, they kind of it, it basically shattered the people's misconceptions on waste free living and a lot of people saw, saw these pictures and realized well if that's what the zero waste lifestyle looks like then I want to do zero waste and that's really when the movement started taking off. Yeah, I feel like even today, there are people who hear about zero waste living and they get really excited and intrigued and they want to learn more. But there are still those people who hear the term zero waste and feel absolutely scared by it because it might feel so impossible. What do you do to encourage people to take their first steps if it's totally new to them? Well, I'm here to tell people that the zero waste lifestyle is the complete opposite of what they think it might be. And I know what they think, again, because I would have been that person, that skeptic, uh, you know, 10 years ago. I would have thought, well, pff, zero waste is for hippies, or I would have thought, well, zero waste costs more, or it's going to take more time. But we actually found that it's the complete opposite. Um, the zero waste lifestyle is not just good for the environment, as you would imagine, but it's also good for your health. Um, thanks to this lifestyle, we've discovered some great health benefits. We're way less sick than before. Um, but we're also, uh, we found that we're saving a huge amount of money. 40% on our overall budget. This is due to the fact that one, we consume way less than before. Two, if we buy something, it's only to replace what needs to be replaced. And we buy that replacement secondhand, which obviously costs less. Three, we buy our food in bulk. When you buy something unpackaged, you make automatic savings. Because when you buy something that is packaged, 15% of the price or more covers the cost of the packaging. So when you buy without the packaging, you make that saving. But we've also replaced anything that is disposable 
for a reusable alternative. So that has translated into huge cumulative savings over time. And these savings are such that they've allowed us to install solar panels on our roof and a gray water system, which reuses the water from the showers and the washing machines to irrigate our land. But the, to me, the best advantage of this lifestyle is the simple life. Now, by definition, voluntary simplicity is not there to complicate your life. It's there to simplify it, to, to make room in your life for what matters most to you. And so ultimately, what you discover is a richer life based on experiences instead of things. And uh, basically, a life that is based on the verb being instead of the verb having. So really by just showing other people, you know, you're just like everybody else, but these are all the benefits that you gained out of living a zero waste lifestyle. And that's how you really draw people into the conversation. Yeah, and I uh, and th this is also that's what's become my vocation. My vocation is to shatter the misconceptions associated with this lifestyle. Um, I give uh, talks uh, all over the world, and I'm not there, of course, to tell anyone how to live their lives. I have no right on that. I have no right to judge anyone. I am just here to talk about my story, my my journey, and uh, talk about the advantages that we've discovered with this lifestyle. For sure. So out of the advantages you just mentioned for health benefits, saving money for the environment and some even just for the aesthetic of minimalism, after talking to so many people that you've inspired, which one of these reasons do you think has been most appealing and powerful for people? Living simply. Uh, you know, there is no question when that when you simplify your life, then all of a sudden you can enjoy time savings. You know, the less you have, the less you have to maintain, store, repair, um, and eventually discard and replace. Let's just take one example, the example of paper towels, which, you know, uh, manufacturers, as I mentioned earlier, have told us would save time and money. Ah, oh, just use paper towels, so much easier. And, you know, they're not expensive. And you can just use them, throw them out, and then you're done with the job. But think about it. When you buy paper towels, you have to go to the store to buy those things. You have to put them in your car. It typically takes half a trunk. Then you have to carry them to your house. In our case, it would be 36 steps to get to our landing. Then we'd have to store that huge pack. And then once you use the paper towel, well, we'd have to uh, separate the plastic from the paper, from the cardboard, and we'd have to fill trash bags, which we would have also purchased from the store to take it all back down those 36 steps to put it on the curb for it to be hauled away. And then we'd have to go back to the store to buy more. Today, we've stopped all that. This is one example among hundreds of products that we've eliminated in our home. And there is a reusable alternative for any disposable item on the market, even condoms. And so when you eliminate all these disposable products, you not only discover financial savings, but obviously also time savings, not having to deal with those things. Yeah, and I imagine it can be frustrating for you too, now that you are living a zero waste lifestyle, to know all the solutions that we have to cut down on waste, but still see so much waste being produced. How do you find peace within yourself when you're still surrounded by a world that's still really wasteful? Yeah, I actually, uh, well, I do yoga. <laughs> Just kidding. Well, I do yoga, but that's not what, uh, you know, brings me peace with the trash but in the world. What, uh, what I actually describe in the book is that when you adopt a zero waste lifestyle, 
there comes a point where automatically you start being angry at the trash that is being generated. The first time I brought a reusable uh, cup to uh, the coffee shop to be refilled, all of a sudden I you know, my, my attention was caught by all the disposable cups that surrounded me. No one else brought a reusable cup. And I judged these people. And I thought, you know, why, why don't they do like me? Why don't they bring a reusable cup? But eventually, as I adopted a zero-waste lifestyle to the maximum of my capabilities, and today we uh, produce one jar of trash per year for our family of four, we feel that we're, we're there. We, we're at a level that we're comfortable with. Um, as soon as we reached that level, then all of a sudden, I found peace with other people. I realized that these people were me not so long ago. Who am I to judge them? I have no right on that. I believe that uh, or what, what brings me joy is to know or what brings me comfort is to know that every time I go to the grocery store with my jars and totes to buy in bulk, every time I go to the coffee shop with my mug, I have the power to inspire other people to achieve zero waste. And that is, you know, in uh, I think it's seeing how far this movement has evolved or is still evolving. That's what brings me peace and uh, positivity. And today, looking back, what do you think you did that was essential to growing the zero waste lifestyle from nothing to a global movement? To be as transparent as possible. And that's what we've done. And I think that's what people have really appreciated on my blog and in the book, that zero waste is not really a competition against others. It's, uh, of course, you're going to experience some up and downs. And it takes a while to get adjusted to a new lifestyle and new practices. And it's, I think, very important to be clear and open on uh, on what it takes to get there and uh, and talk about you know, the challenges that you'll encounter or that you encounter because someone else is uh, going through that exact same problem at that same time too. And that's how, that, that's how we could basically move forward. Yeah. And you actually have a background in fashion and art. You were an artist. How has being creative supported you in your work? Well, it's, uh, it's interesting that I used to be indeed an artist and I was doing quite well. I was doing paintings uh, for commissions and I was also showing. And um, at one point I was uh, showing in seven different galleries and I, uh, I was artist of the year. But as I adopted, as I simplified my life and adopted, you know, a zero-waste lifestyle, then little by little, I no longer felt the need to create, to put my, cre basically to express my creativity onto canvas, um, because I found that the zero waste lifestyle uh, boosts my creativity. I need my creativity even uh, on a day-to-day -to, -day to not produce any food waste, for example. In our home, we don't throw any food away, so I, uh, I look at you know, a little bit of a leftover or the bottom of, uh, you know, the, the cereal jar, uh, you know, those little crumbs or a carrot that's a little bit uh, <laughs> soft. Or, you know, I just, uh, I found, I find ways of reusing all these things. And that's where my creativity is uh, very, is boosted. Basically, it feeds my creativity. So I no longer feel the need to translate that creativity onto canvas. And I've, uh, you know, from talking uh, to other zero wasters, they are experiencing the same thing. They love zero waste because in the end, 
in a way it becomes it brings joy to your life because it's uh, it becomes a little game sometimes if you are for example uh, if you decide never to accept a, another plastic bag again as you know, as I vouched to do, uh, you know, 10 years ago, then you'll find ways of uh, carrying that item from the store to your home, whether it is uh, uh, throwing it in your T-shirt or carrying it in your arms or uh, wrapping it in a, a kitchen towel that you would have in your car or in a, in a blanket. You find uh, alternatives, but you definitely uh, need uh, to you use your creativity for that, basically in finding solutions in a day-to-day kind of conundrums for sure and i know that you know a big motivation for zero waste for you is thinking about what we're leaving behind for future generations and looking into the future with corporate america being driven by consumerism like you said constantly encouraging people to buy what do you think is needed for us to be able to reduce consumption but at the same time thrive economically well, you know, a lot of people um, ask me, you know, I mean, what do you think the world would look like if everyone did like you? I mean, wouldn't our society just collapse? And I'm like, no, we're talking about a, a different of building a different economy here. We are still spending our money but we're spending it differently. We're no longer buying stuff, but we're spending it on services. I'm still buying food, for example, but I am buying it in bulk. And when you buy something in bulk, you're supporting that system. There is a whole system, obviously, that goes behind selling food in bulk. There is the bins, there is the refills there, there is the work with the suppliers, you know, providing containers that go back and forth. Um, even in, in building the bins themselves, in making them from uh, for different products, whether it is a, a dry bean or a, a peanut butter machine, or uh, you know, there is basically lots of different things that are just waiting to happen here, and that's where there are a lot of like economic opportunities to be taken, and a lot of people have already taken them on. Uh, there is, uh, for example, a, a bulk barn. That's a, a store in. Uh, it's a, a store that sells in bulk in Canada. They were not accepting reusable containers not so long ago. And uh, after one of my social media posts, which uh, created an uproar in Canada in the zero waste community, it caught their attention, and they thought, okay, maybe this is time we changed our policy and accepted reusable containers. Well, let me tell you that it definitely was a smart move. They had the ZOS community at their feet. All they wanted to do was a be able to purchase in their store. And now that they've changed their policy, they have all these people that can finally shop at their store. So it's, it's a smart move. And a lot of manufacturers are seeing the uh, potential benefits on that. There is, for example, IKEA that contacted me knowing that I am at the, you know, I originated this movement. They uh, wanted my input on on the products that they have in their stores, but, the, but also the materials that zero stores uh, favor and the types of products that are still needed uh, for zero stores. So how can we facilitate zero waste for consumers? So this is obviously something that's making a lot of manufacturers and, and entrepreneurs think, and there is a lot to be that, that, that's just waiting to happen and a lot to be done. So grab on it if you're an, if you're an entrepreneur. Yeah, so it really started with you just working this out for yourself, sharing your knowledge, now inspiring everyone around the world to go zero waste. And then because of every consumer's vote that they're voting with their dollars, now companies are 
seeing this economic opportunity and that it would be a smart move. Yeah, and that's probably the the, the biggest message that I want to put out there. And that's uh, you know actually one of the ways that I end uh, my talks is that you know buying is voting. Every time you buy something, you have the power to support the practice that is either sustainable or is not. So every time you buy food that it's packaged, it's a way for you to say, "I love packaging." And I dream of a world filled with packaging for our children. And more oil is drilled from the ground to create more packaging. When you buy your food in bulk using your own containers, it's a way for you to support that system, to invest your money in a more sustainable and unpackaged world for our children. Well, with everything that you've done in the past ten years, which I could probably write a book about, what's been the most fulfilling accomplishment for you? Well, it's definitely uh, launching, uh, the, you know, obviously launching this movement, but uh, taking it into places that I would have never, ever thought I would ever reach. I've done some speaking tours uh, throughout Asia. I'm, uh, I've done some in uh, Africa, and when you have like countries like Ghana that you know contact you, and they're they're just uh, they're they're basically begging for help on how to deal with all this and how to deal with a population that doesn't care. And of course, you know, waste is a different issue uh, for them than it is for us. You know, uh, in our Western world, it's a question of dealing with the amount that's being produced, the amount of consumption. And in other parts of the world, it's a question of dealing or a question of collecting the little bit that's being consumed. But a lot of、uh, developing countries are looking up、uh, to us. To we're giving them an example. So if we can change, then they'll change. If we can curb our consumption and show that living simply is the way to go, then they'll do the same instead of trying to reach a buy more economy. Before we go into Bea's final five tips for you, I wanted to let you know that you can find every interview's show notes with resources and links on GreenDreamer.com. And if you want to get every week's highlights and juiciest takeaways sent directly to you for free, you can also sign up on GreenDreamer.com. If this is your first time tuning in, thank you so much for being here and welcome. So basically, at the end of every interview episode, I'll usually ask my guests five closing questions so that you can walk away with very bite-sized takeaways. And I'll also be closing off with two of my personal takeaways. So stay tuned and let's power through. What's one publication or social media account that you follow that really inspires you? I don't actually follow social media. <laughs> Sorry, move on. <laughs> okay. Um, what do you tell yourself to stay motivated? I'm doing this for my children. I have a, a very clear picture of what I want the world to look like for my children, and that's what I work out every day. And with so many different ways to cut down on waste, what's your favorite tip to tell people? It's、uh, it would be actually following my five R's in order.、Um, you know, throughout the book, I、uh, mention my methodology of five R's. It's to refuse what you do not need. Reduce what you do actually need. Reuse by swapping disposables for reusables. Recycle only what you cannot refuse, reduce, and reuse. And finally, it's rot, which is composting the rest. What makes you most hopeful for our planet right now? To see that, that there is definitely、uh, an undeniable change, and people are asking me all the time if、uh, zero waste is a trend. I don't think zero waste is a trend. I think zero waste is a necessity, and the people throughout the world are showing that it's、uh, doable. And what final words of wisdom do you have for our listener? 
Be the change you want to see in this world. Quote from Gandhi. Be the change you want to see. Green Dreamer, if you want to follow Bea's work online, you can find her at zerowastehome.com, at zerowastehome everywhere on social media, and you can also find her book titled Zero Waste Home, the same thing, at any big box store. And for now, here are my two takeaways for you. Number one, be transparent with your journey towards sustainability, including all the challenges you face because it'll only help other people similar to you. Number two, especially if you're a trendsetter and change maker, which you are, people might criticize or judge you based on a lack of understanding. Don't let what others think of you stop you from doing what you feel needs to be done. Again, be that change you wanna see. And that is a wrap. Go out there, make some waves. If you have any feedback to help me improve the show, or if you want to share your biggest takeaways with me, feel welcome to email me at hello at greendreamer.com or get in touch with me on Instagram at Kamea Shane. And finally, remember, now more than ever, our planet needs your light to thrive. So if you haven't yet, hit subscribe and Green Dreamer, I will catch you later.